Hi, my name is Shruti. And my name is Julie. And this is a podcast of convenience. Julie, how's life? It's fine. It's good. It's still pandemic, so you can't like do a whole lot. Although that's not true because you're like moving and getting married and doing all sorts of things. You're finding things to do. I'm finding them to do, but hopefully in as safe a way as possible. Oh, well, no, I'm not. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to be like, you're finding things to do, aren't you? I just meant like going out to the bars. An, yeah, no, you're being safe, but you just have stuff going on. Like so much stuff. I'm very burned out right now, but I wanted to do this because of number one, friendship. Friendship. You ripped through this book really fast. And I was like, that thrills me because I thought you were going to hate it. But life is so. I thought I did, too. I thought I was, too. But you, but you didn't, right? You liked it? I let's finish the intro and then we'll okay. <laughs> talk about it. Okay. I have thoughts. Ooh, I'm excited. Well, anyways, um, so yesterday, <laughs> um, we were watching Doctor Who because Evan's never seen it before, mm-hmm. and as you and I both know, we were really into Doctor Who for a very long time. Very much so. And so we were watching kind of like the tail end of the David Tennant episodes. Oh, no. I know. And it was getting close to like midnight and I was just really tired. And so I'd fallen asleep on the couch during one of the episodes. And all of a sudden I heard this huge crashing sound and then the house was shaking and, you know, we live in. Oh, yeah. You live in California. <laughs> but it was like a thing. It wasn't an earthquake. I thought it was an earthquake, but it was coming from outside. So I thought it was an explosion because I was very much asleep when this was happening. Oh. But what had happened was a very Oakland thing to happen. There was a either someone. had, I think it was a drunk driver just based on the craziness of the accident. But. People like speed through our neighborhood a lot and they don't follow stop signs and they don't follow red lights. And so we've seen a lot of accidents happen with people like in intersections where they're just racing through a red light. Not even like through the yellow to the red, but like it's been red for a minute. We're all sitting here and someone just races through. So if they just don't give a fuck. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, if I die, I die. And that's the energy (laughs) of driving around here. But last night someone was like racing through our neighborhood, like through our, and it's a tiny street. It's like the streets in Norwalk and, um, they hit a van and they hit it so bad. They pushed it up onto the curb and that was the sound that we had heard. So obviously we all went outside, all the neighbors went outside. Like what happened? Is it my car? Is it Evan's car? Like, is it anyone's car? How close to your house was this? Across the street. Like literally the van across the street got hit by a Ooh. car pushed up onto the curb and then the driver like hit and run <gasps> and so then evan was like trying to pull up the doorbell footage to see if that he could get anything and he couldn't because it was very dark mm. but then he was out there for a little bit trying to like help the neighbors and stuff because he's a very nice person and then um apparently the car was abandoned like a block away so it was like totaled and they like just abandoned it, they, and then they, they ran. They limped it for another block, and then they ran out of it? Yeah, and I'm like, where is this person? <laughs> <laughs> wow. So that was, like, that's, super interesting last night. It's thrilling. And we had neighbors move in, like, a week ago, and I felt so bad for them. I'm like, this is your first... I loved it for, you know, at Welcome least a year. Welcome to the neighborhood. Sometimes your car will get hit and runned. Hit and ran. Also, tires got slashed last year. Our tenant's tires got slashed. Janet the tenant. Janet the tenant. She's doing great. I think she bought a house and moved down the street, but her tires got slashed. 
<laughs> so I know. I am like really selling the neighborhood, but it's really a very nice neighborhood. Our neighbors are super nice. It's just randos that, you know, drive. <laughs> that's the whole story. I have nothing more. I just wanted to share it because it, that's a lot. I mean, that's stressful. It was wild. whenever things happen in the middle of the night and I wake up like and I'm still in that half asleep form. I think like everything is 17 times worse than it is. Like one time, like a loud air conditioning in a hotel room woke me up and I was like, obviously there's an avalanche. And we weren't even like next to a mountain or anything. My (laughs) brain just went to avalanche and I couldn't even tell you why. It was just like the logic of a sleepy person. Yeah. And I was like flailing around because I was so afraid that I was about to get buried in snow. I really thought it was an explosion. It just sounded like this horrible metallic screeching. I mean, it, in that case, it was like an actually <laughs> dangerous thing happening. I just mean like if it had been me, I would have probably yeah. pissed my pants. I mean, yeah, it was very stressful. But at least, yeah. I mean, no one we know got hurt. I don't know about that driver, what happened to that person because he's just, he or she or they abandoned that car in the middle of the he neighborhood. Um, Fun. I don't have anything that exciting going on in my life. I spent the last two days absolutely fucking devouring this book. Like time that I shouldn't have spent reading I'm here this for book. it. I, ha- I spent I mean, reading this book. I read this book so many times that I looked it up. We should intro the book. The book is called Nine Rules to Break When Romancing a Rake by Sarah McLean. And I've read it so many times that... When did you first read it? Probably, like, close to when it came out, because I did Google this morning um, the author, because I knew nothing about her or the rest of her books. I've only read one other book by her from the same series. Um, and when, when did it come out? I think it came out in, like, 2010. Oh, my God. I thought it was way older. <laughs> I thought no. this was from the 90s. And I will say this to you. You might be like, this seems like a 90s book because of some of the weird stuff that happens in it. But I will tell you, I read the 90s Regency novels and they I are I know you did. And that's why I assumed this was one of those. This I actually strange. assumed that this was a newer one because of how like, not as problematic around certain things it was. I thought it was like, oh, look at her. They're, they're giving her agency. That's nice. They don't really do that very often. <laughs> Treating the women like they're people? That's crazy. Normally um, they're not, okay. so that's nice. I have to I have to readjust a little bit. I really thought this was a 90s book. Oh, yeah, so maybe some of your commentary is going to be a little bit different. But this is your first ever Regency read. What do you think? I've never read a Regency romance before. I want to hear everything. tell me all of it should we do a little baby plot recap first absolutely would you like me to do the plot recap Mm -hmm. you're looking at me with expectation in your eyes okay so this is kind of very standard i'm sorry i'm losing my voice a little bit because i've had so many meetings this week that i lost my voice completely on wednesday and it's starting to come back i know so gross okay plot summary Our plot begins in a darkened garden (laughs) on the night of Calpurnia Hartwell's uh, intro, entree, if you will, into society. And it was a failure. She had a horrible time. She did not have the glamorous um, society introduction as the sister of an earl that she had hoped. You know, she didn't feel pretty. Nobody wanted to talk to her. And it was like essentially a disaster for that type of a very structured society and she comes across a man in the garden and he is the Marquess of Ralston aka Gabriel they don't really call him that very often in the book they call him Ralston a lot 
And he's kind of, um, they call him a rake. That's kind of the appropriate term of the time period, or at least it is in the, all these books. But he's just like a, what would we call it in today? Like a fuckboy. He's boy. like a slut. He's a fuckboy, yeah. He's a fuckboy. He's an old-timey fuckboy. And it's a very common romantic hero trope of the time period. So he's on his way to like a, a tryst in the garden. And Calpurnia who goes by Callie for most of the book, kind of fixates on him very early in life. Like, wow, look at these sexy people doing sexy stuff. I'm this wallflower type. I want so much to be the kind of person that could just go off into the garden and, like, you know, have sex in the garden and, like, throw society structure (laughs) to the wind. I was a little shocked by how, like, I don't know, I think Regency and I think, like, really demure. And, like, this book started out with him, like, face first in some titties in the garden like she was into it she was so into it it wasn't even her and she was like i'm a bit of a voyeur i like she's like this is my sexual awakening thank you two strangers that i'm peeking on in the garden i mean everyone has their awakening it's a mood i get it i mean (laughs) we don't want to get into it too much but like yeah i get it this book is a lot more sexual than the last one so it's yeah it's sexual and i just i don't know i I picture regency being like oh he touches her wrist inappropriately and it's great or she flashes an ankle and this one was just like cunnilingus us in the library like it was flat out raunchier than i expected yes and i think that's a misconception like it's a misconception for the genre in general but i think also as you get into more modern like regency written books that they're a little bit more sexual but you know i've read some stuff in the 80s and the 90s and they were really sexual it's just the agency part that i think was missing. i mean it's, it's funny because it makes sense like obviously people were fucking back then like realistically this is probably closer to reality those than anything babies else. came from somewhere yeah but um i just picture like i don't know i, I again i have no experience with this um literally when <laughs> This is so embarrassing to admit, but like a lot of the things they said in it, they just said with the assumption that the reader would know what it is. And the only Mm. reason I knew what some of that shit was, was because you made me watch Bridgerton. (laughs) (laughs) Like she said like, oh, her first season was an utter failure. And I was like, I I know what that means. I know that like every season they parade out their women to get them married. So we watched Um, Bridgerton. I wouldn't have known otherwise. We watched Bridgerton in our like little weekly call Friday movie nights but we watched it in installments and I felt like I was a historian (laughs) explaining (laughs) all of this random Regency stuff because again this is my shit I was like oh let me let me tell you about the aristocracy and let me tell you why they're doing this and I had to keep pausing Bridgerton to be like this is a season (laughs) because they didn't fucking tell you they just assume okay here's my stupid ass that's white supremacy Julie you're supposed to know I'm supposed to know these are my these are literally your people they're not my people it's colonialism for you it's colonialism that's why you know that's why I know no I so my dumbass assumed in the Bridgerton when they kept saying like oh all the people in the ton were a flutter that it was like Bridgerton like they just shortened it and that's the word for Bridgerton (laughs) what is it well then it was in this book what is done? It, I don't it, honestly know what it stands for. I'm sure it stands for something, but it's essentially just like the aristocracy of the time. Oh my god! So like the T-O-N. Dukes it was always the, in, in italic, italicized, so I assumed it was like French or something. The maybe, Dukes but like, and the Duchesses and all of that stuff. They call it the ton, like the I don't know why they call it that. I'm not. I thought it was. Bridgerton. I know enough about it from like just reading about this stuff, but not enough that I've cared to like look into the historical origins of what it means. Oh sure, but it's just all of them at large. 
But yeah, I felt real dumb when they started using it in this book. And I was like, oh, it's not just the last three letters of Bridgerton. You shouldn't feel too dumb about it. Because, like, honestly, why would you know that in modern society? (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. That's valid. Um, So anyway, so Callie, like, falls for this dude. But very much, like, her romanticized version of what he is. And so for her whole, um, I don't know, like, seven, eight years that she's been in society kind of out and about and this might be kind of an educational moment that you're supposed to come out into society when you hit like marriageable childbearing age and that's kind of you know like the origin of cotillions and things like that so she comes out into society and the expectation is you'll make a good match within a year or two because women don't have any financial independence or any means of supporting themselves outside of their birth family or the family they marry into and if you don't then you kind of end up on what they call the shelf like gathering dust on the shelf and that has been used to describe me in my life in words in words somebody in the modern day used the words on the shelf in regards to you my mom also reads a lot of regency romance no Oh, upsetting. Oh, she did it when I was like 23 or 24, which I'm like, wow, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank we you love so it. Much. Mother wounds. Mother wound. Um, by the so way, deep. she was on the shelf for a decade. I checked the years yeah. because it was like it was 10 full years from the intro to the book to the like, actual. Yeah, like, so her her desperation and sadness and sorrow, I think, is very realistic. I mean, obviously, I wasn't there, but I think for the trope, it's very like, wow, I get it. And also as someone who... Like, honestly, in the reread of this book, I was thinking a lot of, oh, that's why you liked it so much. Because there was so much (laughs) about her that you related to at the time that you were reading this book. This idea that life is literally passing you by because of, you know, I would say society, but it wasn't specifically like America society. It was very much my family and culture. Society saying you can't do any of the things you want to do. And so life passes you by and then you end up 28 and realizing that you didn't do all those crazy things, you followed all the rules, and where does it end you anyway, you know? You just, you're just sad, which is a bummer. <laughs> and then when you broke the rules, you got so much happier. I know. Breaking the rules is dope. It really <laughs> is. I'm a huge fan of it. I'm a huge proponent of breaking your family's hearts because they will get over it. And if they don't, great. <laughs> <laughs> we love it. I know. I I live for it. But at the same time, like, even in reading the book again, I think that, like, Callie, well, back to the kind of plot of the book, Callie, um, once she is on the shelf and we kind of catch up to modern time, because that was a bit of a flashback to when she first met Ralston and had her sexual awakening entirely focused on him as a person. And then you catch up to her later when her sister has her first season and immediately becomes like the belle of the ball and gets engaged and is doing all the things that she had dreamed that she would have done herself, but it's her younger sister doing it. And she has that realization of, where has it gotten me? I followed every single rules and I'm just sad and alone and I could have broken all the rules as a younger person. Why didn't I? I'm going to start breaking rules. And so she comes with, comes up with like a list of things that she wants to do kind of hypothetically in terms of like if she could break the rules, what would she do? And the first thing she does is burn her lace cap, which I thought was very funny. 
and reminded me actually of when I cut all my hair off. <laughs> the first thing I ever did, <laughs> I cut all my hair off and I started wearing shorts and tank tops and everyone was so mad about it. And so that lace burning, I really get it. I'm like, yeah, you burn that stupid cap and live your goddamn life in as I much loved, as you can. Yeah. I loved that she, um, like a couple of things on her list had to do with like the marriage prospects but like most of them didn't most of them were just things that she was like men can do these and i can't and i'm pissed about it and i want to try it once and so she made like a list of like drink scotch and smoke cigars and go to a, a gambling a men, gentleman's club and gamble and like attend a duel and fire a pistol and shit that like men could do and she was indignant that she would never get the chance to do which I loved because it wasn't just like, oh, my dreams are all about the person I will one day marry. Like mm-hmm. only I, I think the first one was kiss someone. And then the one of them was feel beautiful, feel truly beautiful or something like that, which yeah. could have something to do with a man or could not. So I was like, good for her. <laughs> not all of these have to do with a man. Some of them are just like, no. fuck the patriarchy. I'm going to shoot a gun. And I think a lot of her act, you like hit the nail on the head of why I think this is a modern Regency novel versus like an older Regency novel, because in other books, a lot of times... The storyline is just, I want to meet someone. But if you take Ralston out of the equation, this book kind of still stands on its own as like her journey of fuck the patriarchy. (laughs) Fuck the patriarchy. I want to shoot a gun. Yep. I mean, I've shot a gun. It's pretty fun. (laughs) Gave me wild anxiety. I'll probably never do it again. But just that one time was pretty fun. Yeah, I I love this. She's such a charming character and you i think everyone unfortunately i think all women will relate in some small way of like something you know everyone's had something every woman that i know has had something that they felt like they couldn't do because they were a woman walking even if it's like walk yeah walk (laughs) on the street at night that's what i was gonna say um so i you know i appreciate that about her about this character me too so yeah, yeah, the first the first item on the list is kiss someone. She wants to kiss someone. She's doing it that night. She's just like, fuck it. Burning my lace cap. I'm going to go uh, kiss someone. And so on the other side side of the plot is our male protagonist, protagonist Ralston St. James, or whatever, um, Gabriel St. James, whatever his weird... Uh, they all call him Ralston. That's what I mentally ar- do too. Aristocratic whatever rigmarole that they go with and he is going through his own journey of self-discovery very much not the same one that Callie is going through because Callie believes in true love that's her whole thing her parents had a love match and she's like I'm here for it I want to fall in love I want everything the books have ever talked about I want it and I want it tomorrow and I might not get it but that doesn't mean I don't want it Ralston is on the exact opposite end of the spectrum and in general the type of character that I'm not the biggest fan of which is he needs a lot of work to get to be a healthy-ish type person to be with because he doesn't believe in love his mother was um, probably like a narcissist or something based on the descriptions of her and his father when his mother left essentially became like a shell of a man or a shell of a person And so Ralston and his twin brother kind of grew up with a very bad example of what love can lead to. It can lead to, like, the destruction of everything. And so he doesn't believe in love. He just believes in fucking and having a good time. (laughs) You know. That's why he's a rake. Live fast, die young. Bad girls do it well. He's doing it, you know. He's doing all that. And that's why she shows 
up at his door because she's like, if anyone will kiss me, it's this slut Ralston. Yeah, um, and then he does. <laughs> and then he fucking does it. Um, basically, he also has discovered that he has a long-lost sister from that narcissist mother who went and did a second family and then bounced on the second family as well. She went to so the his, continent. She went to the continent. So his Italian say. sister shows up at his door. She's like, I just want to go back to Italy and be a spinster because that sounds dope. She's like, I have and money. I don't need to do this. Yeah, um, but was, I guess it was like in her father's will or whatever that they introduce him to the brothers whatever so she ends up living with the brothers and she's like i'm gonna go back to italy and he's like give me eight weeks here see if you like it and then if you hate it still you can go back to italy um so basically uh he's trying to like get her ready to enter society here for those eight weeks and beyond because he admits that he does not intend to let her leave even after the eight weeks right because he does not drink his respect women juice at the beginning of this book um but then he's like, oh, I need somebody to do that. I need somebody to get her ready to introduce into society. And then Callie shows up at his door and wants to kiss someone. And they basically make a deal of like, you kiss me and I introduce your sister into society. In I'll, give her la- <laughs> I'll give her English breeding lady lessons or whatever. Yeah. And I'll use my family's like clout to make to, like if we accept her, other people will accept her kind of thing. Yeah, Because she's from a very old, legitimate you know, family, and then her sister's marrying into, like, a dukedom, so he's also very high in the social standards. So it's, like, a huge, you know, thing that this is, this is gonna work, we're gonna make it work. And thus begins the intro of, like, Callie and Ralston getting to actually know each other as human beings and not just, um, these pretty pictures we have in our heads. And, um, there's... A lot that happens in the process of her, of Callie kind of crossing off everything on her list. She goes to a pub and she goes to the gentleman's club. I realize that gentleman's club has a different meaning in modern society. Yeah, I didn't know that at first. And then I was like, oh, she says she wants to gamble there. So it must be like a casino. No, it's the gentleman's club. <laughs> it's what I thought originally. <laughs> I mean, it Only is. it's kind of like a, it's it a is, different they're, version they're of it. They're wearing like, you know, cravats and stuff. So it's different. Right. So it's so super different. There are some rooms where there are not sex workers and they're just you can, gambling like, and then there's read some a rooms newspaper, where there are sex workers. Read a newspaper and drink a scotch and then have sex in the other room. Like what dudes do? Boys being boys. Ew. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> so gross. Yeah, so she crosses off things on her list mm-hmm. and he sees his sister preparing to enter society. Um and throughout of course throughout at all of this, every time she gets, uh, every time the main character Callie gets into a shenanigan related to her list, Ralston's there, or finds her, or stumbles upon her, and uh, is involved somehow. And at some point, he says, "Like, well, if you're gonna do the rest of these stupid things on the list, I want to be there for them to make sure that you don't get caught and ruin your whole reputation and the reputation of my sister, who is now." Yeah, because at this point now, you're, you know, my sister's reputation also is on your shoulders, so mm-hmm. don't fuck up. Yeah. And then, yeah, essentially, they go through the list. And it's sexy. It's so sexy, surely. They do a lot of... uh, They do a lot of really... um, Well, I mean, how to explain this? Because it's it's like a trope thing, you know, like the virgin and then the the retrobate and like that introduction into sexuality of like a person who hasn't necessarily explored that part of life and someone who very much has. But one thing that I really liked about all of their sex scenes is that um, Callie is like 
super horny. <laughs> she's like here she's for it. She's down to clown. I she love it. I love that she's not like a demure ruined. little flower. Yeah. And I she's think like, by the end of the book, the funny thing is, it's like he's not really the rake throughout this book. She is. She's doing she all of the 100% things. Is. She's ruining her arri- own reputation. Yeah, the arrival of his sister has made it so that he has to suddenly like start going to operas again and making appearances because he's just been like, I'm going to do what I want and fuck bitches get money. And then now, because his sister's there, he has to be, like, normal again. And in the meantime, Callie's like, I've decided, fuck my reputation. All I want to do is party and shoot guns and do drugs. And, like, that's awesome for her. We love to see it. So she's, yeah, she's much more of a roguish character throughout this entire thing. Yeah. I think that's, that's like, a great juxtaposition because you think he is, but by the end of it, he's really not. And she very much is. And I love that. I love she's such a cool character. that she's and she doesn't lose her charm or her sweetness or her like personality throughout the entire thing. It's never like she's changed. Um, I mean, like she does change, but she doesn't change in terms of like having to be, you know, brash or like mean spirited or whatever. She's just like the person that she is like her heart kind of remains the same. It does. And she just gets to kind of express her desires that she's had her whole life that she's never been able to express of being this very adventurous person and finding a partner um like essentially not a marriage of convenience because very much at her age she was looking at a marriage of convenience like someone who's old and like needs a companion or someone who's poor and doesn't have money like all these convenient circumstances i'm sorry i can hear audrey crying evan closed i'm in the closet and he closed the bedroom door and he said you probably shouldn't hear her crying out there, but did you hear her crying? I feel like I maybe just did, though. It's probably because she can hear me. Well, if it gets worse, I will <laughs> um, deal with that. It's it's realism. There's always a dog crying in the background at one of our houses. Or a duck. Or a cat. Or, or a duck sometimes. <laughs> or a bird every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I lost my train of thought. That dog just kicked it out of my head. Um, yeah, I did too so julie what did you like you tell me what you liked okay so much um i so i like a large part of me thought i wasn't gonna like this and like a weird part of me which i don't know if it's a problem or not i don't know if it's like oh no (laughs) inherent like i don't know um like doesn't almost doesn't want to like these kinds of books and Mm. i don't know why i don't know if it's like a leftover maybe it's just because it's like a bunch of rich white people and i'm just like Uh shouldn't like these rich white people Mm -hmm. these rich british white people (laughs) like royal rich british white people so i I feel like i have to because i know i was like i was emotionally prepared to talk about this and so i feel like you just segued and i have to and then please it's one of those things like where i'm like i want to talk about it and then i want to let it go because do it so I started reading Regency, like, specifically when I was 12 or 13. I think I've mentioned it in every single episode, and I don't mean to harp on the fact that I'm an Indian person, but I am an Indian person. And if you are not familiar with the history of England and colonization, which I know that not everyone has dived into just how much of the world that that tiny little island <laughs> ruined with their violent you know I, I could get into it but i'll just say colonization was terrible and they colonized my country of india so when i started reading regency i wasn't really thinking of that because these are like books that i'm reading in secret and i developed kind of a love for them 
like separate from like my political inclinations as a human being and my understanding of the world. But the older I got, the more my family told me the realities of what life was like in the colonies because my grandparents were all born under colonial rule. India was not an independent country when they were born. And when they were very young, they experienced atrocities um, fleeing the partition of, you know, India and Pakistan. And it's very common if you're an Indian person or a Pakistani person or like, I don't know, like Israel, Palestine, South Africa. There's a lot of places that got divided based on lines, based on colonialism. You know, once you get rid of a colony, what do you do with it, you know? And so the horror, the the true horror of the things that I've heard, which I don't want to get into too much detail here because this is a romance novel podcast, <laughs> not a political podcast, but it is, it has made me very aware of how terrible these people actually were in real life. So in a book, I can say, oh, I love Calpurnia Hartwell. She's great. And Ralston does sexy things. And that's really fun. But every time in the book, they're talking about the clothes, the jewelry, you know, their wealth, what they have to actually do for a living. They talk about it in these very vague terms because nobody in this type of a genre wants to say, we got this wealth from war crimes. From exploitation. The blood yeah. of brown people is funding our lifestyle. Because to them, it's just a lifestyle. Like, oh, this money just comes from somewhere. And I mean, don't get me started on the appropriation of yoga and modern day colonialism of the culture and bindis and Gwen Stefani. I will go on for <laughs> years and years and years of how colonialism has left its roots and marked, you know, it's marked the whole world. And obviously India isn't the only colony, but it's my own personal experience. And I just wanted to talk about it so that I could get it out of the way and say, I still actually enjoy Regency romance novels, but there is a very sour taste in my mouth sometimes when I read them, where I'll read it and I'll have a little bit of like, I shouldn't be liking this, you know, because mm, of yeah. because of what happened to your family, <laughs> you know, and these people that were tortured and murdered and... Um, well, you guys know what war looks like. I don't have to get into it. It's terrible. But I still liked this book, and I don't know how that makes me feel. Complicated. So you can sort of suspend some of those feelings, or at least, like, just keep reading despite them, because, the, yeah. like, the book itself is charming enough or whatever enough to... Yeah. And I don't yeah. know... I don't know if we're ever going to reach a place in society where we stop writing Regency, and, like, we stop romanticizing it. Because, like, I don't know, I read a lot of stories of, like, the same era that take place in Ireland and Scotland and places that were under conflict with the English. And I actually really enjoy a lot of those books because the villain of those pieces are the English. Yeah, as it should be. I can relate, you know, where I'm like, yeah, yeah, fuck them <laughs> up, you know. <laughs> they did terrible things. They did terrible things to so many people. And in this type of a book, there's not even a hint of that reality so none i don't know if i want to really like go oh i'm gonna blame authors of regency novels for romanticizing it because like i don't know oh no i didn't necessarily mean to like take this out on the author i just meant yeah. like it, it's just re like you said reading regency in general yeah it's, like i didn't i didn't want to like this book because of that i think but i like I it it's sexy as fuck i'm into it i mean same she's yeah. a great character he's fun and you know 
I think the setting I, yeah. is the setting will always kind of give me a little bit of like the ick where I'm like, ugh. Yeah. These people and what they've done to the world and they just yeah. la dee da with their goddamn tea, you know, <laughs> I get mad about it. <laughs> but then I have to be like, you know, it's like that. It's the never ending, you know, the art from the artist. Can you enjoy something holistically while still having blah, 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 blah. And this <laughs> is one where I feel like I can. Um, okay, good. My brother and I go back and forth on this conversation all the time because he loves hip hop so much, and so much of what he listens to is just like mean spirited towards women. And I can't, oh, yeah. I can't listen to stuff like that because it really bothers me. And he's like, "Can't you separate it?" No, they're talking about me. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, separate it's like sometimes it. you can, and sometimes you can't. Sometimes and, I can. And sometimes that's fine. I can. You can consume whatever media exactly. you want to. And- this is my decision. I'm going to probably read this book again in my lifetime because it's cute. It was good. It was really good. So aside so from I, colonialism. Yeah. So that was, <laughs> <laughs> that was um, yeah, that's great. It's so true. I, I just don't, yeah, I didn't want to like it. And I didn't really think I would because I found myself a little like giggly at parts of Bridgerton even like mm-hmm. again that's the only other really experience I have with I've seen like Pride and Prejudice that love that movie read, read the book great book was in the play actually great play uh Julie but, like, play who did you play in Pride and Prejudice Julie in um, high school the mom Natch. <laughs> you did such a good job I was the stage manager of that production in our senior year of high school and Julie played Mrs. Bennett it was fun see it you was... do have experience with this time period that's about it. Pride and Prejudice and Bridgerton, <laughs> which is, yeah, not a ton. Um, but yeah, I was so charmed by the characters in this, despite the fact that, like, obviously at the time, pretty much no man truly respected women as people, and no woman was given the agency that she probably needed to be, like, her happiest and most fulfilled and successful self. But, like, I don't know. I think it's, I just want to give credit to the author for writing the most fucking charming characters in the world. Like five pages in and I already loved Ralston because he was like, you know, his like clandestine meeting with her in the garden was all about her being sad and him being like, ooh, ha ha ha. We're out here alone together for like two seconds. And then the rest of the time he was like, you have the, the name of an empress and you need to go back to the ballroom with your head held high because like you own the place kind of thing. Yeah. Like He was just like hyping her up while being sexy <laughs> and it was yeah. just so good like immediately i loved him he like fucks around a lot but i feel like that his kind of like golden thread of genuine caring for people is what like carried him through beginning to end and made him likable otherwise if he didn't have that like if he was ever like i mean he was mean to her in the books but I mean, we can talk about that later. But, you know, you know what I mean? Like, he always bolsters her up in these, like, encounters and stuff. He does. For, yeah, for the most part. He's like, you're being stupid sometimes. You're risking your reputation. But, like, anytime she starts to feel bad about herself or anything like that, he's like, hey, dummy. Like, you're great. And and not just not just Ralston. Everybody is charming as shit. At some point, I think it's his sister, Juliana. Oh, I love her. I love her, too. You She's should, Italian. You should read her book. I might, actually. She has yeah, her own is, spin-off. There's other other books there's like three books in this little mini series something thing. about like seducing a duke you know but she's like tough as nails she's got her own 
it's kind of a, it's almost like a bummer that they convinced her to stay in the end because I wanted her to just be like fuck off to Italy and do her own yeah, thing. Yeah, she would have probably been but happier. But I know that we wanted to keep writing her in the series, so whatever. Right. Um, but yeah, at some point when like they tell her to stay, she says like I agree to remain, not to remain silent, and I was like, ooh, Regency Asburn, I love it. Like she says like cute little fucking badass shit like that all the time mm-hmm. i just i just love her and love callie's her sister is such a charming character i like yes, her mariana so charming in that you know and her support of her sister the entire book is like just there honestly you know? all this like there's a lot of like women supporting women shit in this book mm-hmm. including at one point ralston's like former mistress has like a shockingly down-to-earth conversation with callie yep. about like hey just watch out this guy might break your heart which she's right, he does. So like, it wasn't even. And she wasn't like being threatening. I expected the conversation to be really awful, intense, and threatening. Mm-hmm. But she wasn't like, stay away from my man. She was just like, I got my heart broken once, and this kind of smells the same. Just watch out. Like I don't know. I was shocked by how kind of supportive they were of each other in that moment. I loved that. Like, they, part. Quote, they both cried. I think in that conversation. Yeah, I don't like, think that. Yeah. I forgot. Nastasia. Nastasia. She was Greek, and she was an opera singer, and. Um, Ralston's mistress and he broke it off with her and she was very dramatic about it but kind of in the way that she knows she's an actress and I think she had an understanding of her place in society like this is where I'm getting my support from financially like being with Ralston gives me a level of protection and um, you know that whole that whole part of security that regency era type of trope but at the end of the day because this is an aristocracy he'll never actually with her but she would never loved Ralston you know you could tell she never loved him she just wanted to be with him for that security and when she talked to Callie in that stupid dressmaker shop when Callie gets that pretty dress and she feels beautiful for the first time because finally she's not wearing a ruffly dress that I mean if you think about like Regency shape of dresses you know you're thinking Bridgerton which is like pretty much a sheath which is not very flattering on everyone unless you're like a, you know, sheath-shaped person. You know, like, I'm a sheath-shaped person, but I get it. Like, not everyone's going to be shaped like a stick, you know? Sheath-shaped person. And I love that that um, French dress designer was, you know... Was like, we're going to celebrate your body. Yeah, yeah we're going to celebrate not, not your curves. It. We're going to celebrate celebrate it, you know, which is lovely. So good. And then she gets, they take the bolt of silk off the rack and no one shall have this silk. It is only for Calpurnia. That's true. Even she, I mean, like everybody, all the characters in this were fucking great. Even that modiste was fucking excellent. And mm-hmm. we loved her. Oh, and then um, she gives her lingerie. Oh, that was so fun. <laughs> yeah, all of that was She's great. Like, all the uh... women were so supportive of other women. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were supporting each other and it was always about a man. So it's definitely not like a Bechtel test passing book, but it's a romance mm-hmm. novel. So like, of course, it's understandable. Right trying to think if there was like a villain of the piece and there's only one character i can think of that would be kind of placed in the villain category oxford oxford but even then i don't know if he was ever really a villain or just like a stupid side character that just side characters his way into shenanigans and then like, i mean leaves. he says some really awful things to her at the end oh of my that. god i forgot about the proposal thing Oh, yeah. no, he's pretty bad. I lied. He says Which is funny because at the end, things. then he, like, kind of, re- not redeems himself, but he, like, kind of un... Well, he didn't shoot Ralston. He makes himself less disgusting. Yeah, he's not, like, a pure evil person. He's just kind of an asshole. I think he's an alcoholic and a mm-hmm. gambler, and he's just... Yucky. What do they call he's him? Like, a, there's a name for that type of character. Like, not a rake. There's another word for it. Like, a dandy. He's, like, a dandy. They do call him a dandy. Yeah, because he is a dandy. 
I feel like Ralston could be a dandy if he wasn't so sexual and like, he's ma- like you know, I'm a Marquess, you know. Let's it's do excellent. this thing. I think the first time that I was like, oh, this book is from the '90s when when the very first time that they acknowledged like when she was like oh my lord you don't believe in love and i was like mm-hmm. oh okay well this has been done 50 million times since then so this must be from the 90s oh that's in every book though or not every book but oh. a lot of books not even regency just like in romance like when there's a character that believes in love and then a character that does not believe in love so i i mean like i guess there's just like a lot of books and maybe maybe there's a lot of regency books you'll have to tell me or if this is just a lot of romance novels where like the woman's conflict comes from pa- the patriarchy essentially it comes from society like like Callie's in this is like her burgeoning sense of adventure and her wish to like go experience things that have been kept from her and the man's issues are always because of their unacknowledged trauma and the fact that they need to go to therapy <laughs> it's always like internal shit for so them. like real life you're talking that's exactly it and that's why i think when i was like "Eh," about this for Mm -hmm. for like a second i was like oh okay again um when he was like going through his whole like oh i can't believe in life dude i mean yeah i guess it's i guess it's right i will say i think i've mentioned before in like another conversation that my least favorite trope is i can fix him yeah and this has definitely got a level of i can fix him to it where my love will fix him, but she's like, I will literally love him enough for both of us. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. That's I, the I, saddest shit. I don't like that, and I also think that 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 comes up a little bit um, of her just being very sad. But at the same time, because we're reading it and we're feeling it, sometimes it feels very like cathartic and nice to put yourself in that like so sad kind of a place not like real like realistically sad but like she is at her lowest point and you're really down there with her like after the bet comes out so there's a bet i we didn't mention that part so oxford (laughs) oxford is a dandy and he's gambling at one of these gentlemen's clubs and um ralston overhears him talking about callie as like a person that he's betting everyone that oh I can get this girl to marry me because she's so lame and she's so desperate and he's like a gambler he needs money for he's stupid and lost all his money and so Ralston's like I'll take that bet not actually meaning it but just hating Oxford and he doubles up the bet I think the morning that he first proposes to Callie after compromising her and I'll say that compromising is when you have sex with someone just in case you don't know what that means so he figured. he and her together in that gentleman's club go on a sexual journey <laughs> which I do want to segue to that scene but first I want to finish up with the Oxford bit So Oxford is, like, the only real villain of the piece. And that Callie... Callie gets, like, she's all vatted, where she finds out about this exactly Exactly like she's all that. And then... Oh, I love that scene, though, because for all that she has been so sad, and, like, I'll give all my love to Ralston, and I'll be enough for everyone, et cetera, et cetera. In that moment, when she finds out about the bet, she's like, we're done. I'm not marrying you. I'm not marrying you. I'm not marrying everyone. And you can tell like that. I think it was written. But everyone around her looked shocked that she actually just stood up for herself like strong, not crying, not, you know, like wailing off into a corner like, oh, my life is ruined. She's like, y'all fucked up. Everyone fucked up. 
I am strong. I am leaving now. And then, obviously, she goes and she cries in private at her own home, you know. And she I, does that another time, like that. too, where she overhears him. Like, he's sort of, like, defensively um, he insulting her. her. He's, like, he calls her plain and stuff to his brother and because he just wants his brother off his back, plain and missish. Yep. And she overhears it and he opens the door and, like, her very first thing is like oh you were rude to your sister because he had been in the previous scene and he's she's like you need to go apologize to her um and he's like even he in that moment of course we as the reader and then even ralston was like holy shit that's like look at the self-respect of this woman she's just gonna pretend she's just gonna put that all aside all the sh- mm-hmm. horrible shit that i just said about her um because she's here to defend juliana and like she's not gonna like show me that that hurt her feelings even though clearly it did mm-hmm. she's a very admirable character yeah she's got like a a really strong like spine that you know keeps her doing wild shit throughout this whole book and like standing up for herself and i think that's she's very hufflepuffy in that way yeah she is she's such a hufflepuff and i say that with the utmost respect um for hufflepuffs in the world i identify as a gryffindor but julie identifies as a hufflepuff and I actually did test into Hufflepuff on Pottermore. But you know what? I've been a Gryffindor since I was like 12. So I'm not going to change that just because of Pottermore. It's too late. I have all the merch. It's done. I'm not buying any new merch. So I'm not giving J.K. Rowling any more of my money. No, she gets no more of our money. But we will at least acknowledge that that you're a Gryffindor and I'm yeah. a Hufflepuff. This platform does not support TERFs. Anyways. Nope. Ever. Anywhere. Um, <clears throat> back to the scene in the gambling hall. <laughs> oh my god yeah the, the bet did you explain the bet yet or did we run past i think that? i did say the bet oh yeah and then there's like a duel at the end and that's kind of the climax of the book because like Ralph, uh, oxford after callie finds out about the bet she leaves breaks off the engagement at this big ball and they're like the scandal of town and she's at her place and then um ralston calls out oxford in a duel because oxford's like why would you even want such an ugly plain horrible person and ralston like picks him up and like slams him against the wall and says i pick your seconds i'll see you at dawn you have you know insulted the honor of my future i think it's pronounced martianess i've looked it up before and i just i've refused to learn that's kind of how i mentally did it too i don't know the correct one but it's it's the weirdest part of the aristocracy is marquesses i'm like i don't like that word it's not as easy as duke and duchess moving on um and so oh and then that there's another line right after that where he turns to her brother callie's brother who's still there and he's like fucking pissed because of the broken engagement and the insult to his sister and he's like after I finish this duel, I'm coming to get your sister. And if you want to stop me, you'll have to have a whole army at your side. And I'm like, I love that. So, over it's dramatic. so hot. Oh, it's so overdramatic. But it's really the moment, I think, where he's starting to realize that, like, he doesn't believe in love. But, like, come on, man. What is all of this nonsense if you don't love her? You know, like, this is the yeah. behavior of someone who loves somebody. You love her ralston get on board <laughs> get yeah, on board with your feelings stupid um but like two or three nights before all of this hoopla at the ball um after their engagement gets broken callie is crossing off another item on her list which is to go to the gentleman's club and gamble which the gentleman's club was called brooks and i'm trying to think of how to describe this so they go to like a private room so he sneaks her in because <laughs> women aren't allowed that's one of the things like she wants to do something that's very not allowed and if Ralston gets caught he's going to lose his membership and shame and all that stuff so they go to the club 
And they do this whole thing where when they're walking in, Callie sees a courtesan with three dudes in another room, and they're all wearing, like, those spooky domino masks or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, why were they wearing masks? It's very sex clubby, very dungeon-y, and I'm like, I didn't know they had, like, dungeon-style stuff in this era, but, I mean, they probably did. I didn't either. They probably did. Um, Again, (laughs) I was not a moneyed white person in the 1800s. I don't know (laughs) what was and wasn't done. But she sees this one courtesan uh, with these dudes, and it, like, really piques her curiosity. And there's a conversation that happens when they, they're playing, they call it, like, 21 in French. But it's, like, they're playing blackjack and gambling, and they're doing, like, a truth or dare kind of thing. Like, if I win, you answer a question to Ralston, and if you win, um, you do a, a dare, which obviously ends up in sex. And that's the ruination. Obviously. The ruination of her pure flower-like virginity of that of an her English com- flower. He compromises her. He compromises her thoroughly, which is how they say it in the <laughs> romance novel world. <laughs> Quite thoroughly. He should have done it twice. Anyways, there's a conversation that happens in the gambling scene that I loved because it really put a perspective on the male opinion of women's places in the world. Where Callie's asking a lot of questions about the courtesan. And he's like, why do you keep asking all these questions about the courtesan? And she says, well, you know, given the position that I'm in, like, I'm so, like, controlled by society. I have no freedom. When I look at someone like that, I wonder about the freedom that life affords them. And Ralston is furious because I think in his mind, he's never actually considered the place of women in the aristocracy. He's like, they're women in the aristocracy. That's their place. It's lovely. They have everything they want and blah, blah, blah. And in his mind, he's like, that courtesan doesn't really have any freedom because they are selling their, you know, person willingly or not willingly, you know, like that's in his mind, not free. But what she's essentially saying is these rich men pay for everything for that courtesan How is that different from, like, my brother having to pay for everything for me, do everything for me? I have no freedom. You know, I did everything. And he's like, women like you should be put on a pedestal. And she says, where has being put on a pedestal? He's like, that's good for girls like my sister and your sister. You know, put them on a pedestal. But, you know, I was put on a pedestal and it's landed me 10 years on the pedestal and nothing's changed. I'm on the shelf now. I have, you know, essentially she's telling him, like, I want the freedom to have this life experience. And what she's saying, I mean, specifically in the metaphor is I want to have sex. Like, I want to do it. I'm tired of not being able to express that part of myself. And I love that whole scene because I feel like especially in conversations with men, even in like modern times, you've had them. I have them all the time. I have an older brother and a father and now a fiance. And I get real heated when I talk about women's rights or, you know, any rights of a marginalized community. It makes me mad. And that feeling of just like talking to someone and them not understanding and having to, you know, Lay it all out there, you know. The, what you think is happening is not what's actually happening. And, you know, Callie does admit, you know, we're not on the same echelon. I will admit that. Like, 
I live a very privileged life, et cetera, et cetera. But at the same yeah, time, she, says, she does have she a says lot. She says we're both in cages. It's just a different guilt on it, basically. Exactly. Um, oh, I like, loved that. You know, I know. That was that was a great conversation. I had forgotten about it until you mentioned and it. And then Ralston, yeah, like, he picks up the gauntlet that she throws. And he's like, oh, you want to have this experience. I'll give you this experience. And then it gets yeah. real, real sexual where he really lets her. He compromises her, uh, the shit out of her. And it's all we've been waiting for the whole time <laughs> <laughs> they i'm like they really have gotten they've gotten all the way up to that door mm-hmm. and knocked on it but haven't opened it and uh, oh they scenes, knock so, on like, the they door really, they get very sexual mm-hmm. um and then 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 finally like this counts as her being compromised because yep. it's oh, it was... p and v and that's what this you know that's what they care about here it was i guess a delight i love that it scene. was a delight it was very spicy and a hoot all around. <laughs> I feel like you're blushing. I I need to take it off my jacket soon. <laughs> it was so good. It was it was fantastic. It was really all it was of pretty the, good. Okay, so like all of the pretty much all of the sexual scenes that they have involve nearly like being caught one wrong turn away from being caught. Yeah, yeah being discovered. And like half the time she's wearing men's clothing because he said to sneak her in somewhere or she snuck in somewhere on her own. Mm-hmm. And then there's just, like, an unlocked door between them and, like, a bunch of dudes who would discover them. And, oh, yeah. And, like, it's just, it it, it tickles a part of my brain. Chef's kiss. That it, mwah, chef's kiss, for <laughs> sure. Um, we love to see it. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Um, okay, speaking of men's clothes, when she's wearing, like, that full men's coat and everything, and then he's doing the truth or dare thing, and he tells her to take down her hair, and she's like, oh, I must look so silly with my hair down wearing this men's clothing, and then you, like, go to his reaction, and then everyone kind of picks up on the, oh, there's something very sexual about this. Yeah. he's It's tickling a part of his brain he didn't know existed. I now. agree. <laughs> We're all great. learning with him, and it's delightful. <laughs> We're all learning with him. And he's obviously, like, throughout the book, he's sexually experienced, and um, she is not. And so but he's just like, she's of course, she's got to be like, she's so different from other women or whatever. But, like, it, you know, in a way that he seems to respect her, where he does, <laughs> does not respect other women. Um, but like at least he respects the female protagonist that he's. It's the aristocracy thing. I mean, yeah, it's still yucky. Yeah. Well, no, I agree. That's what I'm saying. But that's probably why he would give her like a modicum of respect that he wouldn't give to like uh, Nastasia, the opera singer. Which I think, like, yeah, he he financially is going to support her. He's like, I'm still going to pay for your house and all that stuff. But like, we can't have sex anymore. I have a sister now. I literally wrote a note in my little note app that says, like, oh, this book is sh- showing its age again because I thought it was from the 90s. Um, well, you are writing like, about talk- the 1800s, so, you know. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Um, You're really showing your age. They can't pretend this shit didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just a lot of, like, they talked about, like, oh, they're feminine arrogance or, like, oh, they're calculated women. And, like, I mean, they talked a lot about women being these, like, manipulative all, every woman but Callie basically being this manipulative, sexual snake kind of creature. We're all vipers, um, dude. Come on. You we're all that. vipers. We're all very cold and like calculating. Our, our vaginas, we just don't react at all. Like it's it's really weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, because then he's, he's like, oh, I've never met a woman so open. so like pliant and like so reactive, and it's just like, all right. Well, maybe they weren't I, that I mean, into you, Ralston. Maybe have you ever thought of that? Maybe, like, I think it's, it wasn't yeah. enough what you were doing for those ladies. Women are different. I don't know okay. if that means, like, 
oh, because she's so new to it. And then it gives me like a little bit of a yucky virgin obsession vibe or just because Mm -hmm. like they have so much chemistry that they're just both into it more. I would say like, I mean, and this is getting so nuanced in a dangerous place that I don't know if I want to go, but (laughs) do it. I'm about to get canceled. (laughs) You must. First of all, she's 28, right? So there's that. So she's not like a child even a little bit. She's 27, 28. So she's like an adult. And again, as an older lady, I don't think, you know, like as an older virgin, I was an older virgin. Like, it's fine. You know, I get it. And I don't think that like necessarily gives it like a fetishy vibe to it because previously all of his other experiences weren't with virgins specifically. True. He's For that reason, because he didn't want to ruin someone. That's true. When you ruin someone, then you kind of have to marry them. And he didn't really. He also he also quite likes the fact that she's like forward and like pursues him sexually oh yeah at, at times so it's not like she's like the cringing flower that he's trying oh to like. no it's, it's, she is not a cringing flower she yeah you know lamborghini mercy you're right she's the thirstiest she's chick alive very thirsty <laughs> it's excellent it makes for good reading of oh, their spicy gosh. scenes and sure. i would also like to talk about the last duel scene okay i right before the last duel scene he he realizes that he loves her because of a conversation with his twin brother who is also a charming character because everyone in this fucking book is and there is a line (laughs) that made me like shriek aloud (laughs) when i was reading it on a break at work (laughs) he's talking to his brother and uh she he says something like oh like she's she's had this effect on you whatever you know being with her has had this effect on you um and he says i i see that now she made me see it and then it says, he paused, lost in the memory of Callie's big brown eyes, her wide smiling mouth. And then he says, my God, she's made me so much more than what I was. And I'm like, I like literally put put my phone down with my Kindle app on it. It was just like, ah! <laughs> like I made the nastiest sound because I like my feelings were too much and they needed to erupt from me. She's made me so much more than what I was is like the most romantic line I can think of. Hashtag men written by women. Yes. Am I right? Is it Sarah? Is that her name? Sarah McQueen. Sarah, my queen. Oh my god. (laughs) She also has a podcast. Oh, we're listening to it. I mean, it's about romance novels, but like, I don't know if they. I haven't looked it up yet. I just saw it today. But she's in the. She's in the world. She's in this. This world that we are now entering. I was shook. Yeah, I love that. So good. And it's even better because he's having this grand realization right before he might die. Yeah, so he goes to this duel to fight for her honor against this asshole who made the bet with her. And he's like, I'm just going to, you know, what the, the seconds talk and they're like, you know what, we're just going to, this is stupid. We're just going to fire wide because Oxford apologized. We're going to get this over with. And he's like, and then I'm going to go find my future wife and like do whatever it takes to make her realize that I do love her. And then because she is who she is, she finds out that they're dueling and she's like, no, fuck that. That's stupid. I don't want him to die for this. And so she decides to go there. So right before the two duelers turn to fire wide, as they have both agreed, she shouts that she's arrived. And uh, Ralston's first thought is that like, oh, this guy's going to fire off to the right where she's running from. What if he hits her? Um, oh, it's so good. It's so... Ugh. It's everything you want in this <laughs> type of a scene. It's everything I wanted and more. And it's, like, so predictable what's going to happen because, like... Yeah. Literally, it's the nine rules. Like, you knew the things that she would have to check off. Like, oh, they're going to have a duel. Oh, she's going to go to the duel. Blah, blah, blah. Like, you know what's going to happen. But it was still just so wonderfully done. Um, he, like, dashes off basically to get in front of her before Oxford fires wildly. And he gets hit in the arm. He gets shot. Trying to protect her, basically. And even while... 
this doctor like rushes over to him and is digging a bullet out of his arm and like sewing him up. That's when they have their like I love you conversation. And they're arguing too, which is even And they're arguing about it. It's so good. It's so the characters are just fantastic. They have he has like a wonderful speech where he talks about all the things he loves about her. Um, and it ruined me. And he's like, I love you despite the fact that I'm pretty sure you're gonna be the actual cause of my death. <laughs> um and oh yeah, he acknowledges that he loves her and they uh, dig a bullet out of his arm and then they basically agree like, okay, well, then we'll fucking get married. And oh, and then excellent. the last scene, the very last mm-hmm. scene, it's a complete juxtaposition of the first scene, except now Callie, I'm sorry, the dog is literally trying to break down. She's a chihuahua, I should mention. So if you can hear this, that is a chihuahua sound of trying to literally break down. She can hear me and she's trying to break down the door. It's This is the worst. <laughs> I love her so much, but like her separation anxiety is out of control. Okay, I'm regrouping my thoughts. I don't hear her. Yeah, the last scene. Okay, the last scene is a juxtaposition of the first scene where Callie in the very beginning is dreaming of being the woman that Ralston's going to meet in a garden. And this time they're at a ball and she has essentially sent a note to him saying, meet me in the garden. And they're about to have garden sex, which is her dream. So she, yeah, her dream is ten, sti- ten years ago, she watched this guy dick someone down in the garden and now she's going to get dick down in the garden. And it's... Dreams do come true. Very romantic despite <laughs> the hideous description of mine. Well, I think that's a lot of these books descriptions that we're going to give is it's a lot better in the book. Than what we're yeah, saying. it's we're making it sound terrible, but it's really sweet. We promise. We love it. And Sarah, if you hear this, we are sorry for saying that Kelly gets dick down in a garden. <laughs> Even though she does. You seem cool, though. So maybe, you know, we can be friends. What's up? Oh, my gosh. It's so good. Don't hate us. So let's do the outro rating. Oh, no. Just the the rating. Ooh. Spicy rating. Out of 10. I'm going to give it an 8. I would probably also give it an 8. A 7 or an 8. Very spicy. There were at least, there were a lot of, like, long pining kisses that, like, were just, like, fun but there were like at least two to three genuinely spicy oh th- three to four in fact mm-hmm. genuinely spicy like oh they fucking see like <laughs> and it was well written i liked it sounds like she's trying to bra- someone's trying to like axe down the door that's what it sounds like in the other room <laughs> she's gonna shining her way through it and then through the closet door do you not hear that no i don't oh thank god because it's very loud <laughs> i feel like the more i talk the more she can hear me and the more anxious she's getting it sounds like someone is genuinely axing the door down. She's um, a yes, I would agree with your spiciness rating. I would give it maybe a seven or an eight because I think I've read like. I mean, I guess I'm comparing the spiciness to I- the IPBU, which is like very graphic alien sex compared to here. There are times, yeah, so there like are a seven and a half. I don't or even an eight in comparison. But there, I mean, I feel like IPB is like very graphic, like you said, and there are times when a little bit of restraint is actually sexier to me you know what that's true um and i mean like it, it very much depends because like i'm not saying like i wouldn't I call i wouldn't call sexy. this book erotica like this is not erotica what the fuck are you serious what it gives her like a handy in a fucking fencing hall what are you talking about julie art is subjective and if i say it's not erotica then in my mind it's not okay erotica. if somebody gets fingered it's erotica okay no. that's like a rule no. we can lay down people get fingered all the time in romance novels it doesn't count <laughs> fingering is not erotica uh, i get 
Just because it's written by a woman and it involves fingering and you got turned on doesn't mean it's erotica, okay? <laughs> I, I swear to God, if anyone in my family ever hears this, I'm going to get we're disowned. We're going to die of shame. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know what, guys, family members, if you find this and you got this many episodes in, that's your problem. That's not yeah, mine. Yeah, if you listen to this and you know us in real life, no, you don't. No, you don't. You don't know where I work. You don't know anybody <laughs> that I know. Okay, this is between you and me and the romance novel community. All right. So what's the romance rating? rating. Oh, the sentimental rating. Um, okay, now I have to make this comparison to like Wolf Song because I gave them a 10 out of 10. Yes. That's your, that's your current highest standard sentimentality i would say that this is like um an eight and a half that's what i was gonna give it to i think yeah it's really good ratings it's really good but there are moments that kind of pull me out in terms of like ralston's character doing some things that i just don't like jackassy shit yeah which is fine but you don't get 10 out of 10 hero status you know but it was charming as fuck yes the characters were excellent it was well written mm-hmm. it was spicy generally i highly i highly enjoyed it i'm so glad that your first foray into regency era was not a bad foray no me too that was a hoot i could have picked and some the, weird ones <laughs> they literally at one point just casually like as as an aside were like oh yeah blah 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 because she doesn't want a marriage of convenience and i was like ah there's the phrase i find <laughs> it's used it's actually like correctly used marriage of convenience now yeah. i know where our fucking podcast name comes from hell yeah hell yeah it's in there um it was great it was so much fun we referenced do it. you have ideas for our next book i have a few i'm wondering i have a okay i've got like three or four options not book options but just option options by the All time right. So I'm moving, actually, from Oakland back to Los Angeles because Evan got a job down there. And so I don't know when we're actually going to be able to record the next episode because we're going to have to get moved by mid-October. And boxes will happen and locations will be very hard to find. But now we've got a little bit of a catalog that we can at least release some of these. Yeah. So we might actually, my first option is, in that time frame, as we hopefully release some of these, we... We can ask people, which we have in the last couple episodes, what do you want us to read? Like, do you have any books out there that are, you know, representative or really good or really hot or whatever? And that could be an option of we'll see within a month if anyone's actually recommended a book to us. And maybe we can read a recommended book from our email address, which would be kind of dope. Um, Second option is a book that we've both already read just because it's very TikTok popular. And I liked it and you liked it. And that's The Hating Game. And I love then the, game. The, the third option Spoiler is Spoiler alert. I have a book that I haven't read that's written by a person of color and it's sitting in my to be read pile. And I want to say, oh, I maybe should just look it up. And you can cut out this part where I am sitting here looking it up. I believe it good. is called, aha, I found it. It is called Emergency Contact by Mary H.K. Choi. And it is a book written by a person of color about people of color. Modern day setting? It's a modern day setting. If you have it already and you have not read it, yeah. I'm down. Because I don't think we've done any on this series, on our podcast yet that we Mm-mm. that are, is new to both of us. Yeah, I haven't read it yet. That might be I'm an excited. interesting it was a It was a book talk recommendation. I bought a bunch of romanced um, book talk books 
early quarantine and I've been just reading through them. And then I'm also reading books for our actual book club and then I'm reading books for our podcast. So it's just been sitting waiting to be read and it had a it has a pretty good rating. And I believe the reason I bought it is because they described the male protagonist as a soft boy baker. Oh, we love to see it. And I might be getting this confused with another book, but I don't think I am. And it says it follows Penny, a Korean-American freshman. So. I mean, you've sold me. Like, I think I think emergency contact is it. Unless we get an, um, some sort of suggestion that we yeah. think, feel more strongly about. But or if moving gets too stressful and I don't have time to read. <laughs> then we can always do one that you've read. Yeah. Yes. Or Hating Game or whatever that we yes. both read. Yeah. I feel like we I can just talk. Whatever. Read. Anyone listening, read all of those just so that you're ready for whatever when, you We're going to do it at decide. some point. And also... Julie and I have kind of talked about this a little bit um, when we decided that we wanted to start doing a podcast because we're millennials and we're like, we need fun hobbies and let's do a podcast. But we very much want to have fun. We want to have fun <laughs> is the point. <laughs> this is a ho- this is like a hobby podcast. We're reading books so that we can talk about them in our own mini version of a book club and then share them with a community of people that also like these types of books but if moving gets too stressful which it might I'm not even going to apologize to you guys I'm not going to apologize to Julie (laughs) this is probably me talking to my therapist right now out loud to all of you (laughs) if it's a month or a month and a half or two months until we record again so be it nobody is banging down our door to hear these because we haven't even released them yet so that's accurate I just want to be very like Sometimes Evan is like when I'm telling him like I'm setting a boundary with myself or I'm setting a boundary just in general. Like I'll just start talking about my boundary and he's like, you're telling yourself this right now? And I'm like, yes, I'm telling myself. Oh, totally. So I'm telling myself and the universe it's okay to not read a book in a month if you already have things on your plate. Yeah, this is for funsies. And if it's not funsies, we're not doing it. Yes. We're good. Cool. We just want to read about... Rich white people fucking in gardens. That's yeah, all we want. We don't yes. want to get stressed out by it. No, I never want to get stressed out by romance novels because it's my joy in life. Yeah, for sure. I love ladies writing about sex. They're good at it. <laughs> They're so, we're, we're you know good who's at this. not good at it? <laughs> Men. Oh all my of them. god. Oh my yeah. god. I love it when people on TikTok. Um, like read segments of books written by men and it's like atrocious like oh like her titties led the way you know into the hallway yep. like why is shrunk in fear like, <laughs> like why are things that bodies don't do yeah boobs fantastic. don't shrink in fear <laughs> oh my we god can't. i love it they're not oh, pencil like we can't do anything with them it's crazy I, I the sexualization of women in male media is a nightmare but the sexualization of everyone in women's media is kind of fun yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm into it. Um, pause for one second before we do our outro. My God, it's talking about straight white men. Ew. Shut up. <laughs> you should leave that in. <laughs> That's Julie's <laughs> husband in the other room, if you can hear him. No, it's my roommate. Oh, ew. We play. Oh, yeah, I'm surrounded, surrounded by straight white men. We play, we play Dungeons and Dragons with um, the person that's laughing right now. Oh, if Julie decides enough. to keep this in or cut it out. Julie just lives with straight white men. God, they're everywhere. Okay, I think they're shutting up. Anyway, that was fun. If you want to send us suggestions for future books to read, or if you want to send us your real-life meet-cutes and have us read them on the air, 
um, to share your love with the world. We are at podofconvenience at gmail.com. Send us some stuff. Send us, just say hello. Just tell us that somebody somewhere is out there and has heard our words. We would love to meet you guys. And again, I feel like there's so many communities on the internet and I just want this to be one. And it would be a chill one because we're really chill. Yeah. Chronically. Well, I mean, chronically I have anxiety, but (laughs) I try very hard to be chill emotionally. I mean, yeah, we're not, we're not mentally well. No. But. But we are chill to other people, if not to ourselves. We're very welcoming. And that might be the mental illness. Who's to say? (laughs) Probably a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Probably. So now, as well as the straight white men talking in my house, my dogs are literally howling. So I think it's time to say goodbye. (laughs) Yep. We don't have an outro. We don't have an outro. We need to come with an outro. You know what we do, though? Have a lot of love. We love you. We do love you so much. Bye. Goodbye.